Well, you didn't learn, most of you did not learn about sex education from porn. Today, if you're talking with kids, the number one place they learn is the internet, and one of the major places they see it from is porn. So they're growing up with kind of a distorted view. That was Jim Burns talking to grandparents at the 2019 Legacy Grandparenting Summit about the very different world that our children and our grandchildren are living in these days. We're going to hear more from Jim in a moment. But first, welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition. And today I'm joined by my co-host, John Colomb, Director of Development for the Legacy Coalition. Uh, Larry Fowler's not with us today. He is in South Carolina this week teaching a Grandparenting Matters seminar. So it's just you and me today, John. Hope that's. Uh... I I hope we can handle this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miss you, well, Larry. <laughs> you know, it's great that Larry is able to do one of our live seminars yeah. again. You know, even though you know there's still problems with COVID going on. Um, uh, you know, he, we've got a great seminar and it's always best when it's done live and in person. And so, so anyway, he's, he's back there doing one in uh, South Carolina. Well, we're going to talk to Jim Burns here, or at least uh, he's going to talk to us. Jim Burns is an old friend, well known as an expert on youth ministry, parenting and uh, marriage relationships. We asked him to speak at our 2019 conference on the topic of his brand new book, which uh, came out actually the same week as the 2019 conference. And the the book, it was titled Doing Life with Your Adult Children. And the subtitle uh, pretty much sums up the book. It's uh, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. <laughs> I love that. You know, which is a great uh, subtitle. Um, this wasn't a talk about grandparenting per se, although Jim uh, did have a couple of grandkids at the time, but this is still a really important topic for grandparents, uh, which um, I think is is uh, worth sharing again, don't you? Oh my goodness! As I listened to that again, uh, Wayne, it it was powerful for me. And you know, the reality is, if you have grandkids, <laughs> you're a grandparent, <laughs> and uh, that means you also have kids. So it it's really a, a it's a two way highway as far as communication. You know, those who are growing up and those who are grown up. And yeah, I I took some good stuff away from that. Wish I'd heard this twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, let's introduce Jim. He's the president of uh, Homeward. He's the executive director of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University. He's uh, a very popular public speaker and writer who has almost 2 million uh, resources, you know, that's books and videos and so forth, and print in 20 different languages. He primarily addresses the topics of building strong marriages, encouraging parents, empowering kids, and healthy leaders. Uh, Jim's books include Confident Parenting, The Purity Code, and Creating an Intimate Marriage. He and his wife, Kathy, live in Dana Point, California, and they have three grown daughters and three grandchildren. Here now is Jim Burns. My name is Jim Burns, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about this subject. And I have a word for you. It's in your notes. First word is, you're fired as a day-to-day -day parent. 
You've invested two decades of your life with your kids, and you've done it a certain way, and most of you have done a pretty good job. I mean, we all have stories. I mean, I have bumps in the road with my kids. But basically what I'm saying is, is you're fired. The truth is, is that we have to learn how to parent differently. And nobody taught us, because nobody, we, none of us went to parenting school for this. So our roles really literally do have to change. So here's a couple of things that I want you to understand. We're on a parallel journey with our kids. We've never been the parent of an adult child, and they've never been the child of as an adult, see? And so what happens is, in this role of this new role of ours, which changes, but it's because we're fired and our day-to-day responsibilities are done, is that we actually need to reinvent the relationship. And many of us, because we've invested two decades, we're not the ones who aren't willing to, to uh, change the relationship. But sometimes your kids aren't either. Or they want an instant change right at 18, but they still want you to pay for all this stuff. See? So when it comes to it, there's a parallel journey. We have to rein- reinvent it. And what that means is we need a new job description. But if you came to a new job, then they would give you a job description. But this is a job description that's in process. Because, yes, at 18, they can vote. At 18, they can do a lot of things. But for most kids, they haven't grown up until later. For example, uh, my background is in, in studying uh, adolescent uh, material, uh, material and, you know, now what we call emerging adult. And when I went to Princeton, I graduated from, from gra- my grad schools at Princeton. I graduated in the 1970s, mid-70s. I learned that the brain quit growing at age 16. And so, you know, I taught that. Well, no one believes that the brain quits going at 16 more. It's, it's at least age 24. And the frontal cortex or the, the, the decision making process of the brain is actually one of the last things to mature. And so that's why sometimes kids act the way they act. But, you know, you, you've got this whole generation of what we'll call emerging, uh, uh, adults and they're, they're really truly emerging. But in your new job description, I want to give it to you really quickly. Number one, you have to give them the passport to adulthood. Because if you're holding that on, there's going to be a failure to launch. You've got to give them the passport to adulthood, and you have to move to becoming a consultant. When they were 2 to 10, you were in control. When they were 10 to 15, you were coaching them but and making all the leadership decisions, but you weren't totally in control. And as they got a little older, you know, you became the consultant. But now you're a consultant when invited to consult. I didn't see that coming. In fact, not too long ago, Kathy uh, and I are in the living room and we're with Christy and Steve and our two grandkids. And Christy and Steve are almost in an argument and they're awesome people. But they're almost in an argument because they're moving to Texas and they are talking about the move. And so I simply say to them, because Christy has a different opinion than Steve, and I'm watching how they interact and I'm going, wow, they need to come to a homeward where I work refreshing your marriage conference. But I said, wait, wait, I've got the idea. I know what to do. And I said, let me tell you. And Chrissy looked at me and she said, not now, dad. And I'm going, wait, people pay me to give advice. And my own child didn't want my advice. Like two days later, after they'd already put the down payment on the way they were going to make the move, Chrissy goes, hey, by the way, dad, what, what was it? And I told her, she goes, dad, why didn't you tell me? That would have saved us a lot of money. Then she's mad at me for not telling her. Okay. But you know, that's the way it is. Give them the passport of, to adulthood and you're kind of the consultant. You have to rewrite the script by letting them go. And and the script is this. It was an adult-child relationship. Now what our goal is is to move that to an adult-adult relationship. And you treat adults very differently, but yet for many of us, we can't get past treating our adult children still like our children. And I realize it's not easy. I I go back on it all the time. So you have to rewrite the script script by letting them go. 
Be encouraging, but don't be intrusive. There's a big difference between that. And so we can encourage them, but if you're an intrusive parent, it's not going to work. And there's people in this room who are totally intrusive parents, and I could be one of these at one time. I did talk to a woman who said, my mother is driving me nuts. And I'm looking at the woman. I think she's like a peer of mine, but she says, well, my mom said to me not too long ago, she goes, honey, put on your your coat. You're going outside, and it's cold outside. She said to her mother, mom, I'm 45 years old. And I think I can make a decision on her. Now, she's the vice president, by the way, of a tech firm here locally. Okay, And I think I can make that decision on my own. And she said, well, I'm your mother, and I'm telling you to put on your coat, and I want you to put it on right now. I said, what would you do? She goes, I put on my coat. (laughs) And then I was mad at my mom, see? So again, her mom was being intrusive. Maybe her mom was right. Also part of that job description is practice, does it really matter? You know, everything doesn't matter. If everything matters in our life, then that's, that, with our adult kids, that is not going to work, okay? And so the question is, is does it really matter? Um, you know, in marriage, and I realize we're moving now from adult children to marriage, but let's take some important things in marriage, like the toothpaste tube, right? Um, you know, you share a toothpaste tube. I had no idea that Kathy and I shared, would share the toothpaste tube and we went at it differently. Some people squeeze the toothpaste tube from the middle. Other people neatly roll it, may I add, as Jesus would do. (laughs) And then I have to ask the question, does it really matter? So one day, Kathy said, we're buying two tubes of toothpaste because you're bugging me by doing that little roll thing. But I know people who have actually really struggled in their marriage relationships because of the toothpaste tube. Well, there's certain things with our kids that we're just going to have to let go. What you're seeing a lot of it is, is to be an effective parent of an adult child a lot of it has to do with with letting go, and I think we have to practice this, you know, mindset of does it really matter? Be caring, but do not enable them. Okay, and there's a difference between caring and enabling. One of the things that we did at Homeward when we first started r- doing the writing project for this material was I started doing focus groups, and it was interesting. We did seven focus groups here locally. I live here in Orange County. And we were doing uh, these focus groups, and in six of the seven focus groups, people cried. It's back to the deal of people going, wow, we're broken and we're shocked and, you know, it's not going good. But what was fascinating is what we mainly talked about was how do you help your kids without enabling your kids? And that has to do with finances. That has to do with so many issues, see? And so part of the failure to launch just isn't our kids are feeling comfortable, but it's that, you know, we've been enabling them, and so what we have to do is, is understand that, we can enable dependency on them by some of the decisions we make. Principle number one, your role as a parent has to change. If it hasn't changed, then you're probably not doing good in this relationship. Now, the principle number two, in the format of keep your mouth shut, the welcome mat out, is here it is, unsolicited advice is usually taken as criticism. Can I get a hearty amen on that? I mean, it's so true. I didn't see that coming. But most advice to adult children, they take it as criticism. Why, I don't know. I love this next phrase. But why does she need to go to Europe to find herself when I have all the answers for her life right here? I was talking with my daughter, Heidi. She lives in New York. She flew in yesterday, like I said, to speak at Pepperdine, and we were having dinner. And I said, oh, I've got this great quote that I'm going to use tomorrow. And I gave her the quote, and she goes, are you talking about me, Dad? (laughs) And I went, no, but kind (laughs) of. Because, again... What you see over and over again with this generation is that, you know, they don't want your, your input. Now, I'm going to talk about how you can give them input, but they don't want your input at, at the beginning. So keep your mouth shut, the welcome mat out. Experience 
is a much better teacher than advice. Some of you need to write that down because what we are is we're advice givers. We love to give advice. Um, but it, it doesn't work that way. Kathy, my wife, is an advice giver. And, and, and she loves to cut out little articles and she sends it to my kids and now she sends even more of them to me. And she likes to put articles about eating and weight gain and, you know, all of her devotion things have been come my way. I mean, and that's her love language. It's not like she's being, you know, negative Nancy or big time nag. Um, now the kids might have thought of that at times, but she was always met with love. We were in England a while back. I got my PhD in England. We're in England and the whole family's walking there and the kids are kind of littler. And there's a sign that says for like a company, Citizens Advice Council. And all of my kids go, Mom, you could have this job. If we were talking about moving to England for me to complete the PhD there instead of here, I ended up doing it here. But, um, they're like, this is your job. Citizens Advice Council. Well, you know, we've continued to talk about that, but that does not work when it comes to working with your adult children. Encourage independence or they're going to run from you. Okay. And advice, don't give it. They don't like it. They don't want it. And they actually begin to resent it. Now, for some of you dads, you're fix-it people. You know what? I'm saying get out of the fix-it business for this. In fact, I don't even think it works in marriage. Okay. I always, I always want to fix whatever Kathy, you know, her, whatever her problem is. I, I want to fix it. That's me. I want to fix my kids' issues. But the truth of the matter is, is we have to need, let them, you know, figure it out. Um, and, and frankly, Take a step back, let them figure it out, because how did you learn? You figured it out. Your parents quite possibly weren't as involved of parents when it comes to kind of the helicopter parenting, or now they call it even lawnmower parenting, and, and we are, so, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't fix it. Give respect, because no adult wants to be told what to do. And so what's fascinating is some of us will have the habit of telling our kids what to do, and we're right 95% of the time, but they don't see that as a form of respect. Um, very interesting quote by a guy named Ronald Greer, who's a Christian therapist uh, back east. He said, whenever we are intrusive, what they hear is not the lesson we're trying to share, but the message that we don't really respect that they are now grown. Now, now you have to look at yourself as a mentor and a coach. So again, this is almost back to the job description stuff. Uh, lead them, but lead with positivity and lead with respect. That's the difference on how I think we do it now. And and may I just say, your words have power to bless and to curse. The Bible says that. And so uh, there's a blessing and a uh, curse, and they come out of the same mouth in James. And so, you know, for me, I want to proactively be blessing my kids. I'm going to do it four ways. Number one is I'm going to bless them with my words, and that has a lot to do with affirmation. I'm going to bless them with my with my um, actions. I'm going to bless them by believing in them, and I'm going to bless them by really celebrating their rites of passages, and one of them is to become an adult. See? So that's lesson number two. Lesson number three. Okay, we're learning lessons today. Um, I don't know if you've ever said this, but who is this kid, and what's taking this kid so long to grow up? Most of your kids are millennials. Now, some of your kids might be, because some of you have younger kids too, might be Gen Z. Gen Z, interesting enough, do you know that in the world of Gen Z, twice as many atheists in Gen Z as in just the millennials, and the millennial millennials are, are fading a tad bit. But millennials look at the world differently. Your adult children are going to look at the world differently than you. Even if they were raised in the church and you taught them great stuff and you did all the things that these people say, you, they could still be in a different place. Okay, first of all, let's look at some distinctives. Number one, they are shaped by technology. You were not shaped by technology. In fact, 2008 was the first time that 
people watch tel- uh, more, uh, more experience more internet than the, than television, and it's never going back. So they've been shaped by that so much so that one out of six people last year uh, met online who got married last year. Okay, so you know you can say what you think, and I don't have bad stuff on it. I'm just simply going that's not probably how you met. It's possible if it was like a second marriage, but you know it's just not the case. But today that's more of a norm. Okay, it's where they shop, it's where they do relationships, it's where they get advice. At Homeward, Homeward is um, a great ministry, the ministry that I work with, and we help families succeed. So we're in a meeting, my friend Doug Fields, myself, and our board chair, Todd Dean, and Todd says, how do you reach the next generation, talking about your kids? How do you reach the next generation um, of, of people who, in parenting? My friend Doug Fields pulls out his phone and goes, Siri, how do you discipline a 10-year-old? Siri comes on with small TED Talks, three-minute talks, and blogs. Doesn't say anything about books. See? Doesn't say anything about seminars. Kind of the old-style way of learning things. And so, you know, we literally, our, our kids are shaped by technology. They don't live to work. They work to live. I'm not saying that's all bad, by the way, but many of their parents, the boomers, they were not like that. They worked to live, and yet kids live to work. Very few of your Adult children are going to have the same job, you know, 10 years from now. Maybe some of them won't have the same job next year. Okay. I have a daughter who has a master's degree, uh, in business from, from USC. And since she's graduated from USC, she, most every year she changes jobs. And I just think that's crazy. And she just keeps going up the ladder. I mean, it's hilarious. And I look at it and go, I wouldn't do it that way, but it seems to work for her. But she also, uh, doesn't work to live. She actually lives. Uh, she she uh, she's going to live. Period. Um, generation. This generation wants a healthy marriage. So your kids want a healthy marriage. You know what the number one thing that millennials want? A healthy marriage. Isn't that fascinating? But they're going to meander toward marriage. Some of them are going to live with someone else before marriage. So again, they're not in a hurry to grow up. Is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, at one time, and again, this was kind of my uh, academic background, not, not that I'm an academic guy, but you looked at, you know, the different phases of life. You had childhood, then you had the teen years. By the way, the word teenager was first uh, mentioned in, the, in a magazine called Scientific Ameri- American in 1942. So we re- really haven't had the teenage years for all that long in history. So childhood, teenage years, adult, elderly. But today what we have is we have childhood, teen, emerging adult or latent adolescent, and that really happens about age 18 to, say, 24, 25, 26, even sometimes on up to 30. And then they become adults. So if you've got some kids who are in that 20-something and you're going, they're not growing up, they eventually probably will. It's just going to be, you know, 10 years different than when you grew up, if you would. Okay. So there's a, a, a man named Jeffrey Arnett. He's the, the expert when it comes to emerging adulthood. And he describes emerging adults, in case you have one, in these phrases. The age of identity exploration. What I call it is they go through the experimental phase. They don't really know who they are or what they're doing, but they're the, they're, they're going through an, an age of identity exploration. The age of instability. Part of that you can blame on the brain, but in these 20, this 20 something generation, there's an age of instability. They're, they are the most self-focused age of life. Where that wasn't the case. Usually it was the teen years in another generation, but today it's the emerging adult years where they're the most self-focused, if you would. The age of, of, of feeling kind of in between. A lot of these people, when you really talk to something, some of your kids who are in their twenties, is they do feel stuck. They're, they feel in between. 
they're not really a teenager anymore, but they're also not a full adult because you're paying for a lot of what's going on or because they don't have those same responsibilities. And so they feel very much caught in between, but yet at the same time, they see it as the age of possibilities. I mean, what Jeffrey Arnett just did was describe my my girls. I have three daughters, so we have no hormones or drama, of course, in our life. Um, but that's who we describe. That's those kids. It's not all bad. Some of it's really cool. Our daughter, Heidi, she gets married to Matt. He's a wonderful guy. And they have amazing jobs in uh, in the Bay Area. So they live in the Bay Area. <clears throat> and then they decide that they're just going to go to New York. And I, I said, well, where, why are you going to New York? And they go, well, because we can. And we don't have kids, and so we want to. I said, well, you guys can still keep your jobs? Yeah, well, we can do that. Okay. And so the, that night, Kathy goes, you know, what do you think about them moving to New York? I go, I think it's crazy. They have amazing jobs. She goes, it's the millennial adventure. Later I went, Maybe we should have done that, you know, but that's the mindset of these kids. Now, at the same time, when we look at culture, we've got to bring up the issue of what I call the cringe factor. I looked at some of you when I even mentioned the word cohabitation and some of this. This is not up for all of you. But today we have, as parents of adult children, what I call the cringe factor. And, and I'm going to mention three, although I could mention 30. One of the, one of the factors is pornography. The average age that a kid sees pornography today in America is age 11. So, when kids look at their sex education, they oftentimes look at sex education through what they saw with porn today. That could take a, this generation down. So, uh, let me ask this question. How many of you received good, positive, uh, healthy sex education from your parents when you were growing up? They need to have a sex education thing for you grandparents here. I'm just telling you, I like, I see two hands go up. Well, you didn't learn, most of you did not learn about sex education from porn. Today, if you're talking with kids, they would say almost the same thing. More kids would say that their parents talk to them or their grandparents talk to them about sex and sexuality, but not many. But the number one place they learn is the Internet, and one of the major places they see it from is porn. So they're growing up with kind of a distorted view. Not only could there be a potential addiction, but they begin to act out. What we're seeing with this generation of kids is they begin to act out what they've seen on the Internet. So that should make some of us shudder. And... Yet porn is what we call the cringe factor. And so there have to continue to be, you know, some healthy conversations with, with uh, kids and why if you have younger kids or you have your grandkids, when you're talking about discipling your grandkids, you want to talk to them about healthy sexuality. I've got a book. Um, I think it's even at the booth here that's called God made your body and it's for three to five year olds. And people go, you have a sex book for three to five year olds? Yes. God created boys and God created girls. God created your hands and your feet. Um, God created different colors of eyes. What color are your eyes? So now you're having a conversation with, with the kids to get them ready for the next stage, which is six to nine. Then you go to 10 to 14. Then you go higher. But we have a generation of kids who are adults, uh, young adults who have never had their parents talk to them about it. Okay. Uh, cohabitation. In 1974, in the, where I grew up in the shadows of Disneyland, not too far from here, my dad actually had a restaurant right by this, this church. Um, but in 1974, 78% of people said that they would not live with someone before instead of marriage. I'm not talking about Christian. I'm just saying 74% or 78%. Today, the same number would say that they would live with someone before instead of marriage. So the world has changed. But yet with cohabitation, it's interesting because when we look at kind of what's going on in our culture, our culture you know, studies this stuff and they know better because the culture, the secular culture 
this is what I learned from the secular culture. If somebody cohabitates, they have a greater chance of getting a divorce. They have a greater chance of less having less sexual satisfaction, which is interesting because they were cohabitating, but that's always on all the stuff. And then also they have a greater chance of adultery. So it's not working, but because of a, a moral freefall, if you would, we're not willing to talk about it. So, you know, as parents, some of us are in a bind because, you know, we begin to see our kids making some choices where we're in shock or their friends are making choices where they're in shock. And yet, again, that goes back to the, uh, the, the cringe factor. And then again, the whole idea of gender identity confusion. Let me say it this way. 10% of the student population today, which I'll go on up to 20, uh, to age 25, have what we call gender identity confusion. Within your church, you don't have 10% of that population care about the theology of baptism. But today, they're not homosexual. They're not lesbian. Hear, hear that. They're just gender identity confused. And so, and they like to talk about, uh, the gender issues. And they're in, many of your kids who grew up in the church are in disagreement with that particular issue. So again, we have the cringe factor. Also, again, there's, there's a spiritual mindset. So one of the things we say is about 65% of the kids who graduate from high school from good churches like your churches will leave the church when they graduate from high school. I mean, we hate that study. Okay, I mean, guy in family ministry, youth ministry, we hate that study. However, there is a 300% better chance that kids will stay in the church if you have faith conversations in the home, not toxic or preachy. Now, again, I want to spend time with, with one more rite of passage, or excuse me, one more principle, when an adult child violates your values. Okay, now some of you, have, this is, I mean, for some of you, I'm kind of going more in the pain level. Some of you are like, wait, I'm having a great time with my adult child, so you're doing this stuff. I mean, what you need to do is walk out of Don't come to us every seminar and go, oh, man, I'm terrible at this. We, I didn't learn anything. No, you've done it. Walk out and go, wow. I mean, we've been doing this in a good way. We have a healthy relationship with our adult child. This is one that's tough. When your grown child violates your values, it's a phrase that I've already given you. You can't want it more than they want it. And I love this quote. Um, I'm not sure where I got it, so I can't give it to whoever it was. I can't find it uh, who, who said this. But good thing Easter is a season and not just a day because some resurrections take time. And actually, frankly, somebody in this room needed to hear that right now. See, in terms of whatever you're going through. So, and I love, again, C.S. Lewis. Hardship often prepares an ordinary person for an extraordinary uh, destiny. Okay. So I had this call from a uh, pastor, and his, uh, he's at a very large church in this area. And uh, his, the, and I had 15 minutes before I was going to come on and speak at a conference, and he said it was only going to take a minute, and then he opens by saying, Jim, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah, kind of. And I said, you know, I'm speaking in 15 minutes, so I, I don't have a whole lot of time because I could tell he had something really serious. And he said, well, my daughter called me and asked me if I was sitting down and then said, Daddy, um, she's 20, um, I'm going to get married. And she, he's, she's like, wait, she was dating this guy like two months ago, but I didn't even know she was dating anybody. And uh, I'm marrying a 42-year-old. Oh, man. And the 42-year-old is a woman. And he says, I think I know what you're going to say because I have a theology that's quite conservative. And, um, but I wanted to know, what would you do? And I said, I'd go to the wedding. I said, did she ask you to walk her down the aisle? Because I said, that would be tough. She says, no. I said, does she know how you feel about it? Because he had a theology also that that was probably not the right thing to do. She said, of course she knows. And I said, okay, then you go. 
because she's going to crash. If she was 20 and she was marrying a boy that she had only known for a couple of months and she'd already had a boyfriend and, and, you know, she had another boyfriend two months ago, it's still going to be a crash too, probably. So I said, when she crashes, not if she crashes, but when she crashes, if you're not there, she's going to, she's honestly not going to go to you. She's going to go in a different direction. So he goes, I'm really glad you said that because I kind of felt like I kind of needed to do that. So I wish I could say that. It, I mean, they honestly, she, he came to the, he said it was the hardest thing in his life to be at that wedding. He said it was just weird. And the wedding happened. Three months later, Daddy, it's not working out. Can I come home? So today, I, again, it's not perfect. She's going through a celebrate recovery. She's getting the help that she needs. Um, she's moved from, she talked about gender confusion. She's moved now. She's just starting to date guys again. She had this moment. It was kind of a hiccup, a burp, whatever you want to call it. But what that means, he did the right thing. She knew how she felt, how, how, how he felt, and, she, and then he loved her. It was kind of the thing that Larry did later. You have the law and you have grace, truth and grace, and he needed to give her some grace without, you know, accepting everything about her behavior. And that's, I think, the kind of thing we do. You know who did that well? Actually, Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. I love it when there's another part to that story that we actually call the loving father. So if you look at that story where the, the son, you know, spends all of his money on prostitutes and on, you know, partying and all that, when he comes home, what does the father do? The father probably didn't give him back his inheritance, but the father said, welcome home. We'll stop there with that thought from Jim Burns. You can hear more of this message by downloading the entire seminar Doing Life with Your Adult Children. It's on the uh, LegacyCoalition.com website. Uh, just search for the 2019 Legacy Grandparenting Summit audio. John, did you ever have difficulty uh, making the transition that uh, Jim was talking about here? You know, with, with your kids from childhood to adulthood, you know, starting to treat your kids like grown-ups? <laughs> Boy, I, I think it, the reality hit me when we took Matt to college where he was roommate with your son. <laughs> and I yeah. looked at him and I thought, we're in a transition. I've, I've been where he is, but I've never been where I am. And uh, it was one of the, it was, it was a painful, awkward moment of, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Uh, we've, we've prayed, we've hugged, I kissed him. And uh, I said, I think I've done everything I need to do. And I turned around and walked out and it was kind of a reality check. I thought, ah, we're and And in fact, on the way home, our other son said, we're no longer a family. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Just he was going to miss his brother. But yeah. Um, and I, I think it I, I'm well, we're, we all work. We who are part of legacy. Most of us work with our mouths and we don't do real well with our ears. And and I had to learn some painful lessons of when my kids are pouring their heart out to not just give them all the answers that I am so good at knowing and experience, I've experienced. And so such a shame to not be able to help them on that. But no, this this was uh, what Jim's had to say was powerful. Yeah, well, to what you were just saying, I, I thought Jim's point that, uh, you know, when unsolicited advice is usually going to be taken as criticism by your kids. And I found that to yeah. be true. And even today, I mean, my my children now are, they have grown up children of their own, you know, so yeah. 
So it's, it's, uh, it's, a, but the, so here they are, you know, in their forties, uh, um, almost 50. And, um, and sometimes I, I, I still hesitate to give mm-hmm. them advice because it might sound like I'm criticizing yeah. them. And so I have to really be careful about, um, about how I put things. Um, yeah. Even talking, you know, to them about their kids, our grandkids, uh, you know, we've raised, we raised them and we see things that they don't see. And, you know, you know, do I go to the Lord first? You know, I, do I do an email before I do email or, and of course with the kids, it's probably better to do it face to face, whatever you need to say, but make sure that, that they don't already get it or, or they're on their way or they're processing. It's, it's a tough one. It, it takes wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and uh, you know, as, as, as you were saying, we're good at talking. We're good. We, we are advice givers. And some of us who've been in ministry for a long time, like you and me, mm-hmm. um, you know, people pay us for our good advice. That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> well, and I don't so, know if I pay. They come. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about, oh, and, yeah. and and it's it's you know we've made a career out of it, and and yeah. so it's it's you really have to bite your tongue sometimes when it comes to your own kids because they're not they're not looking for our advice so much, yeah. although you know what Jim was saying about our relationships. Um, being encouraging, but not intrusive, being caring, but not enabling. You know, I used to teach uh, parents when I was doing uh, uh, seminars for parents of teenagers. that look, you know, you're as a parent, you, your role changes, you start out controlling, and then you move to coaching. And that's usually as your kids are moving into the right. early adolescent stage. And then there's the consulting. And that's what Jim is talking about, where, where, your kids fire you as a parent, but they they'll hire you back um, if you're willing and able as a consultant. Yeah. And that's really what we want to see happening. And then as they move into adulthood, then we're caring, but we're not uh, yeah. controlling. We're not even uh, coaching anymore. We're we're letting them do their own thing, and we're there uh, supporting them and praying for them and all the rest. But we have to kind of we have to transition ourselves out of that parent role but it's hard to do it really yeah. is and then um, pretty soon it reverses and they're starting to say now dad put your coat on you know it's people <laughs> that they watch your step are you sure you needed that oh yeah 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 oh yeah our son our son called us uh just a couple days ago to check up on us um we we uh we normally call to check up on them you know but yeah but now they're calling to to check check to make sure we're eating right and doing the right things getting enough exercise and and all that sort of thing you know uh jim um mentioned the whole thing that for many of our adult children um they would be classified as millennials and he talks a little bit about the fact that our our children and our grandchildren are just growing up in such a different world. They're shaped by mm-hmm. technology. Um, it's taking longer mm-hmm. for uh, young people to, to, to grow up uh, these days. The whole emerging adulthood stage of life that really didn't exist, um, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. We, we kind of had uh, childhood, adolescence, and then adulthood. And now we've got 
uh, other in between years uh, where there's all this instability. And uh, so he talks about that a little bit. And, and, uh, and we've also on, on other podcasts talked about the need for, for grandparents to stay in touch with culture. So we understand the world that they're growing up in. It's not yeah. easy to do sometimes. No, I mean, I was, I've reflected if my grandparents saw this world today, you know, up close and personal, uh, they would want to go back to heaven <laughs> real quick. <laughs> um, and, and it's changing so quickly. I mean, the last two years, especially uh, in every category of life. And, uh, and I think it's those challenges though, that for, for us, when we have pain, uh, then we start listening and looking up and asking for help or for guidance. And, uh, I think, you know, we need to really be available and, and make sure that the bridges are built and the barriers are down so the kids can come to us when, when the time comes, when they really desperately need to talk. Yeah. He talked about the cringe factor. Oh. You ever, you ever have uh, cringe moments when you think about some of this? You know, I do, but I, I'll tell you, Wayne, when he gave the illustration, <laughs> Of the pastor's daughter, yeah. Um, I just, it, I, I tried to visualize it and, and internalize. What would that feel like? Um, can't imagine what that would be like. And to keep the lines open and to have the wisdom to know what to do despite the criticism of your friends. You're going to that wedding, you know. It's, it's. There are no easy answers. And uh, to really stay close to the Spirit of God on on these issues is so important. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, at the same conference where uh, Jim spoke here, uh, Larry Fowler uh, did a general session message about our need to, uh, in fact, he had a seesaw that he set up on the stage and that, that yeah. whole balancing act that we have to do between truth on the one hand and grace on the other. And Jim was just making the point that, that we need to lead with grace. Yeah. Uh, the truth, uh, as Jim asked that pastor, uh, your daughter knows what you believe, right? Well, of course, of course she does. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so you don't really need to lead with truth. You've got to lead with grace. And, uh, and, and that in the long run is going to be, uh, give you the, mo the most satisfying um, re result, and uh, and he get, in his in his example, he did uh, 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 he didn't know how things kind of went from there, but uh, yeah, Jim talks about when our when our kids violate our values, and uh, we've got lots of cringe factors. He brought up pornography, the cohabitation thing, kids, mm -hmm. you know, people living together these days. The, the gen gender identity questions, the um, the uh, uh, kids abandoning their faith uh, for a more uh, secular, postmodern, progressive worldview, and and uh, many of the grandparents that I talk to today are, are facing all of these issues. And uh, Jim makes the point: you can't want it more than they want it, you know. So yeah, and I think that that's a good point because sometimes. We, what what we see, um, is something that that 
uh, and what we want is not always what they want. What we want is for them to want it. And, and, uh, and, and that can only become through, uh, helping them, praying for them, staying in relationship with them. Uh, you can't do it, um, from a distance. Uh, and you know, they, you know, they have to see that there's a reality in our own lives that this, this is not just a, a Sunday deal, this faith in God that I really do love him. I really do trust him. I really am more like him. I mean, that's probably better than any argument we could throw out there. In fact, kids don't want arguments today. <laughs> they just don't no. want, don't give me the facts. I've got my yeah. feelings. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, you know, I, I, even though, you know, my wife and I, uh, Marcy and I, are are not in complete agreement with everything that our kids believe and do. We have a good relationship with all of our, yeah, our our kids, which gives us access to our grandkids as well, mm-hmm. and so we're able to really have good times with them, uh, enjoy them. We know where 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 to cross lines and where not to mm-hmm. to cross lines. But um, I love what Jim said about it's a good thing that Easter is a season, not just a day, <laughs> yeah. because some some resurrections take time. And, you know, uh, we are very hopeful that whether it's in our lifetime or, or beyond, that our prayers are going to be answered for our kids and for our grandkids and, uh, and that God's uh, got them. And then fading, fading hope reserved for you in heaven. Yeah. It's all good stuff. And uh, it Jim really Burns, is. Jim Burns, uh, uh, his book is, is still available, of course, um, and that's um, Doing Life with Your Adult Children. He's got a brand new book that just came out, um, which is uh, what he calls his legacy book. And the name of that book escapes me right now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'll bet if they go on Amazon, they'll find it. <laughs> yeah, but but Jim, Jim is a very <laughs> prolific guy. And uh, uh, I think he's got a place in Hawaii where he just goes over there and um, he and his wife. And, and so he'll, he'll uh, you know, look at the ocean and, and write a book while he's at it. So uh, let me just close by saying we're getting closer to the uh, uh, summit conference uh, for 2021. Uh, it's happening in October. Our speakers will include this year Josh Mulvihill, Kevin Harper, John Stone Street, Reggie Joyner, Kara Powell, Rob Reno, Ken Davis, Terrence Chapman, and Valerie Bell. Uh, music is going to be uh, 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 coming from Fernando Ortega, Scott Wesley Brown, and the newest members of the Grand Ole Opry, mm-hmm. the Isaacs. They were actually invited to become official members of the Opry last weekend all the information is on the uh, legacycoalition.com website you can register now for the conference uh either at the live conference in birmingham or at a simulcast location near you and there are now more than 100 simulcast locations which is pretty cool very exciting uh, let me just say too that there's been a lot of concern lately regarding the re-emergence of the uh coronavirus, uh, especially in, in certain parts of the country. And we're going to be taking every precaution at the summit in Birmingham and all of our simulcast locations to keep everybody safe. And we're confident that God is going to give us an incredible two days together. So any last thoughts, John? 
No, I just think order that book, work through it together, maybe with a couple of other couples, um, and just keep extending grace as you divulge truth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That wraps up uh, Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and John Cologne saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.